baseball fans. It's time to take a trip from coast to coast across Major League Baseball. There it goes, a long drive. If it stays fair, home run. One strike away. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. Swung out and missed a perfect game. Fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, yes, yes. The Atlanta Braves have given you a championship. Listen to this crowd. Braves and baseball talk straight from the diamond. Here's Grant McCauley. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of From the Diamond. As always, I'm Grant McCauley, and it's time for our weekly chat about what's been going on with the Atlanta Braves. And it's been another up and down week since last we signed on here on From the Diamond. I'll have Gabe Burns of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution joining me in just a moment to talk about the highs and, unfortunately, the lows that the Braves have been facing over the last six or seven days. We'll get into a lot of different reasons why, and there are plenty, trust me, that the Braves find themselves where they are as we sit down to record this podcast. The Braves are now in third place in the National League East, five games behind the New York Mets with two to play in Miami this weekend. Chance to salvage that series, but again, we got a lot of storylines to get to, and I'll get to them in just a moment. Before I do, I want to remind you that you can find From the Diamond on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Leave those ratings and reviews if you like what you hear, even if the subject matter is not what you want. Please be sure to tell a friend. We do enjoy bringing you this Braves talk each and every week here on the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Grant McCauley, G-R-A-N-T-M-C-A-U-L-E-Y. You can find the show at From the Diamond underscore. Over on Instagram, I am at Grant McCauley there, and the show is at From the Diamond with no underscore on the end. And if you want to check out every episode of the show, the articles, the videos, and anything else I got for you, FromTheDiamond.com is the place to do that. So to talk about the week that was for the Atlanta Braves, I want to welcome Gabe Burns of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution back into the show, as we do just about each and every week here. You can follow Gabe on Twitter, at GabeBurnsAJC, and he, of course, covers the Atlanta Braves on a nightly basis, which, Gabe, this year seems to feel a little bit different than it has the past few years. It's been a bit frustrating, to put it lightly, but, of course, we're going to jump into all the reasons why we've felt the frustrations. Yeah, you know, I've, I've said it before on here, but since I've taken over, they've won the division every year, and my streak is in jeopardy here. But uh, <laughs> we'll see how it plays out. Sure. Well, we certainly can't call you a jinx. The Braves have been pretty good the last few years, and I think there have been a lot of reasons for that. Uh, this team, for a variety of reasons, it feels like, and I put this out on Twitter last night, and it, it got a lot of response, most of it in agreeance, some of it ready to point out all of the flaws in the 2021 Braves, of which there are quite a few, but this team feels like the exact opposite of the club we've watched for the past three years. The comebacks seem few and far between. And like we've talked about plenty on this show, you know, they had another week to forget. They beat the Dodgers in the series, which had to feel good. Then they go up to Philadelphia, take the opener, and then proceed to get walked off back-to-back games and fall back below 500. then go down to Miami and drop the opener there. So this is a club game that's reached 500 time and time again this year, only to immediately fall right back below. So... It's really hard to know what exactly to take away from the first 60 games of the season other than to say frustrated, disappointment. I mean, those are the words we're using to describe the 2021 Braves. Maybe underperforming. What word would you put on it? Yeah, underperforming is a good one. Sometimes just everything goes wrong. It does feel like, for the most part, about everything that could go wrong uh, for this team has gone wrong. And uh, several of those instances you just never could have predicted. So, 
know, they keep getting to 500, and they don't just follow it up with a loss. They follow it up with multiple losses. They're one of three teams that hasn't been over 500 this season. The other two are Miami and Texas. That's not company you want to keep. No. So just where this team is, it's obviously very frustrating for the players, coaches, front office. It's very disappointing because, you know, you spend $26 million to solidify your rotation there. Mm -hmm. Uh, You re-sign a guy you thought was going to be kind of an anchor in the middle of your lineup for the next four years. You did have a lot go right last year. You had a lot go – you had the bullpen and everything. But you're kind of looking at this and you're going, you know, we, we were right there. And you kind of addressed what was your biggest weakness all of last season, and that was kind of your rotation depth. And you come back and guys have regressed. Guys have underperformed. Guys have been hurt. You have something like a Noah. You yeah. have the Ozuna situation, which mm-hmm. just obviously is just terrible all around for everybody. It's just one thing after another, and the team just can't seem to get out of its own way. And, you know, you're you're one out from finally being over 500, and you give up a two-run homer to lose it. You can't really make it up. It's like someone is kind of writing a story here on just how the Braves' streak ends. Mm-hmm. And, again, there's 100 games, but it certainly, you know, we keep saying that every week, and, and every week I'll just add it just does not feel any closer to any kind of grand turnaround. No, well, it doesn't feel like anything's changed, and I think it is. You know, if you want to look at it realistically, you can size up all of the performance of the Atlanta Braves in 2021 and slap all the different words and descriptors that we just went over on that first 60 games. It's 100% fair. But you look at the next 100 games to go, you do have time to turn things around. No one's run away with this division quite yet. You're not sitting there, you know, here a couple weeks into June looking at a 10-game deficit that you got to try to make up in the standings. But... You know, this has just been a very weird roller coaster, up and down type of season for the Braves, who, again, you know, you don't want to be one of what three clubs that hasn't climbed above 500 this season. That's kind of a shocking stat when you think about the Braves. They've been at or around 500 pretty much all year long, but you just haven't felt the same confidence that you have in the past few years. And one of the big things that, of course, the Braves were built on was going to be offense. They had perhaps the second best offense in baseball, at the very least, second best in the National League in 2020 and they had a lot of those guys coming back but through Travis Darno's injury the Marcelo Zuna situation the underperformance of Freddie Freeman this year this has not looked like the same offense but despite all of that they're still top 10 in the major leagues in runs scored they've been at or near the top in home runs in major league baseball all year long and of course if you look over just at the National League side the Braves are just a couple of runs away from being in the top three and runs scored again this year but it just doesn't feel that way for whatever reason They've just there've been a lot of nights where they score a whole bunch of runs and a lot of nights where they could just use a run or two to turn it into a win and that just has not happened this year. So I looked at something else, Gabe, that I was really feeling like was a big difference from at the very least last year in 2019, but I ran it all the way back to 2018 since that's when the Braves started their division winning streak. And baseball reference has a stat that they call late and close, which is defined as plate appearances in the seventh inning or later with the batting team tied ahead by one, or the tying run at least on deck. So let's take a look at how the team is faring in those situations because you're going to notice some pretty stark differences in this year's club and the one that's been the NL East champs and was a win away from the World Series last year over the past three seasons anyway. In 2018, the Braves hit 260 and scored 145 runs in those situations and just over 1,000 plate appearances. In 2019, the club hit 273 with 35 homers and 144 runs scored and just over 900 plate appearances 
in those situations. In 2020, 264 and 314 plate appearances with 18 homers and 50 runs scored in the shortened season with an OPS just shy of 900. Now you fast forward to 2021, Gabe, and this is where I want to bring you back in because this stat, I had to look at it twice, and I just didn't realize it was as bad as it is. The Braves are batting 197 as a team in late and close situations with a 652 OPS and 352 plate appearances, so a precipitous drop from what they've been doing the last few years. So if you look at a team that has the, I want to say, the it factor or the team that shows up in the big moments, the 2021 Braves have kind of been MIA when it comes to big hits on a regular basis, unlike the way this team has been the past few years. I believe it. You know, the, this team, you look at the games they're winning, they're not winning them late. Their extra innings record is putrid. Their production no in extra innings is putrid. They're just not closing. That magic, I guess uh, there's, for lack of a better term, that they always had in the later innings, it just feels like it's completely swung the other way. And now, you know, when you're watching it, you just, you expect something to fall apart. Mm -hmm. If it's a tied game or if, you know, they're up one or whatever, it's like I tweeted before that extra innings Philly game, you know, extra innings, what could go wrong? And there you have it. You know, you're up 3-1, bam, just like that, you've lost it and, yeah, it's weird. It's been a complete regression. Again, I, I keep saying it's like all their good fortune. It's completely swung the other way. I, I don't know how to explain something like this. No. Oh Yeah, I, I know you don't either. So it's just one of those things you just have to take it in stride and just say, okay, well, you know, can this team turn this thing around? And it doesn't feel like they can. That doesn't mean they can't. It's just the way that things are trending right now. There's not really any – you can't see light at the end of the tunnel. So – and the offensive numbers, you're right. In general, there's certain games where they'll score 12, 13 runs. You know, they had that 20-run outburst. So they'll have games like that. And then they'll have games when they lose, what was it, 13-2 to two to the Mets? Right. And they'll have games like that. So it's just you look at the total offensive numbers, and it is a bit deceiving just because they've really inflated their stats with some of those games like the Pittsburgh game where they just – everything just goes right for them. And, you know, those nights are nice to have, but certainly they'd rather be in a position where their offense is a little more stable. And considering the guys they've shuffled in and out of the lineup and where this team has been pretty much all year, it's just been hard to find that kind of consistency. It's been extremely hard to find really any sense of consistency whatsoever. You brought up how bad the Braves stats are when it comes to the extra inning games as well. I thought it was worth looking up because I just didn't think it could be as bad as it's felt. But yeah, it's that bad. The Braves are hitting a buck 54 in extras. They've scored four runs in their seven extra inning games this year. Meanwhile, opponents, they're hitting 432 and have scored 14 runs in extra innings this year. So if you're wondering how bad it is, it's about as bad as it gets, or at least at the very least of it all, the Braves and their opponents seem to be opposite sides of a coin. Braves are only hitting a buck 49 in the ninth inning this year as well, 216 in the eighth inning. So the later it gets in the game, the less the Braves' offense seems to show up. And I think that's something that's been pretty obvious if it's a feeling, if nothing else, this year. But the numbers certainly back it up. This is just not a team that has that gene that the Braves have seemed to have the past few years of, as you mentioned last week on the show. If you're writing a game recap or getting ready to sum up what you've just watched that night, you're not ready to hit send in the seventh inning the past few years. This year, you almost wonder what series of events is going to go wrong where this game is going to slip out of the Braves' fingers and perhaps end up in a lopsided loss by the time everything is said and done. There have just been a lot of those nights this year that have been a complete role reversal. 
and it it weighs on players too because there's just no denying that when you're a player in that situation and things are going the way that things have been going for this team it weighs on you mentally you just can't you know you're playing you're going oh what's going to go wrong now and then you just continue to have circumstances like in Noah where the things are just out of your control and it's just going against you and after a while like you have to say I remember Dansby Swanson answered once talking about that, and this was probably the last homestand, maybe even further back. And, and he was just saying that, you know, we know we're better than this, and it's just been frustrating. It's kind of that's leading to more losses, and it just starts to kind of pile on top of, mm-hmm. you know, all this stuff just piles on itself. And I don't know how you snap it because I thought that maybe they had something when they took two out of three from the Dodgers. You know, you beat Kershaw and Bauer back to back, and you beat that team that. Broke if you your want heart. to call him a rival or, or whatever you want to call him from last October. Mm-hmm. And it just ultimately it didn't mean anything because we just saw they went up to Philly and it was the same thing we've been seeing. Maybe it says more about the Dodgers struggles right now than it does the Braves turning anything around because that just didn't register even like, a, you know, they, they won that first game in Philly and you're thinking, okay, this is it. Yeah. And then they're, it looks like they're going to take that next one. They're finally going to get over 500. And like Freddie has kept saying, if we can just get over 500, we'll get rolling. It's like, well, Maybe so, but you can't get over 500. Yeah. You spent two months trying to get over 500. You can't do it. I can't imagine how frustrating it is for them and for Snit and just for everybody involved. It's just been a very underwhelming season. That's all you can really say. Yeah, I mean, we'll say a lot more about it because that's what we do each and every week. But yeah, it feels like somebody built a brick wall right at the 500 mark for this club and just kind of parsing through some of these stats, both on the offensive side, on the pitching side, clearly there's just some things that aren't clicking, some things that aren't working for this team. And maybe when one side gets it going, like the kind of starting pitching that you got in those two games that you lost in Philadelphia in walk-off fashion, one in extra innings, you would think, hey, we're going to be in it. We're going to win that game. The offense doesn't score much on those days. So it's not one group's fault, not one person's fault. Even if you want to blame Brian Snitker for this move or that move, which is justifiable, that goes with the territory for a manager. I mean, this has been a collective effort to kind of end up where they are. And as you pointed out with Dansby, with Freddie, with whoever else, I'm sure with Snit each and every night as you listen to his comments after the game, you don't want to panic about it. You don't want to just accept that, hey, you know, maybe this is who we are right now. But the longer that you play into the season, whether you want to admit it or not, subconsciously, as you pointed out, Gabe, this is going to start to have an effect, if it hasn't already, on the overall psyche of this club, that there's not going to be one person that's going to be able to come in, snap their fingers, and fix that, even if Alex Antopoulos goes out and makes a deal here or there, not really expecting a whole lot before the trade deadline, if even then, depending on where the Braves are at that point, the Braves are in a place where they're going to have to reach down and start digging themselves out of the place that they've put themselves in by not being able to win some of these games and not being able to perform up to the standard that they expect and, of course, that fans have come to expect since the rebuild the last few years. And this team is more than a move away, too. Right. And that's another thing that we'll talk about probably as we get closer to the trade deadline, assuming that they continue to do exactly what they've done for two months. There's just several needs on this team that, you know, Alex can't sit here and acquire four or five different guys, impact players at the deadline to see if he can turn this. I mean, realistically, it's just – I mean, it's a tough situation for him. It really boils down to just they need their best players to just – really carry the load and that means freddie freeman and then yep. these guys they just need them to just correct themselves and we'll get into freddie in a minute yeah. but yeah it's been frustrating for him and i don't know a, a lot of this you look at it and you're just like you know some of these things can't always be explained sometimes it's just not your year 
And it's too early to say that as crazy as some people, you know, some people will roll their eyes hearing that. Mm -hmm. It's just too early to completely say that for this team. But we can certainly say it would be one hell of a story if they found a way to come back and win the NL East at this point. Yeah, no, you certainly can. And look, it's always easier to sit on the sideline and say, oh, well, it's all over. It's all going to go wrong. Go ahead and tear it down. Trade everybody. Fire everybody. Do all this. That's, those aren't solutions, though. Those are not realistic solutions that are all going to happen at one time anyway. And for everybody that's out there saying that, hey, let's throw in the towel on you know, June the 11th or 12th, there's – plenty of fans out there that understand I think that it is a long season and of course the players know that it is a long season but time is running down each and every game that you play each and every missed opportunity starts to add up and over the course of time it will tell the tale of your season but you're right there's not one move that can be made that I think is going to change everything it's going to have to be more of a collective getting some things that start going right and you brought up Freddie Freeman and when we do discuss the Braves offense this year and what's not going well for them I think we have to take a long look at Freddie Freeman's year, which has been below his standards and what the team has been accustomed to getting from him. And I do believe that his luck on batted balls is a big part of this. When I looked at his fan graph rates, he's not too terribly far off when it comes to walk percentage, strikeout percentage, his line drive percentage, all of those things. I mean, he's not far off of where he was. It's certainly not a carbon copy of his MVP year, but uh, short of the kind of hard work that Freddie's known for putting in to make some changes that could begin to turn things around for him, maybe even some little things, to get him trending in the right direction. I'm not really sure what to say about Freddie Freeman other than some of these hits have got to start falling, and that in and of itself I think could help get Freddie rolling, which to his point could get the Braves rolling if they can start winning some ball games. I'm with you. I don't. There's no explaining it really. It's just been just repeated terrible luck for him. And, you know, it stinks for him to follow up his MVP season with this, and it really stinks that it's a contract year. Yeah. And we don't know how – well, first of all, we don't know how these next 100 games are going to play out for him, and we certainly don't know how this year is going to affect him when it comes to this winter. But certainly you'd rather be going into free agency with a year like he had last year instead of this. Again, there's time for Luck to start swinging his way. There's a lot of games remaining. You know he's going to be playing in about all of them. So he spoke about this last week, and he just – I mean, he made it clear he's very frustrated, and he yeah. talks to his dad about it, and – He's just saying, you know, in time, things are going to turn around for me. They just, they have to. <laughs> and I mean, that's really the only way that he, he can look at it. For him to go two months with things kind of being the way they are here. I don't know. I mean, credit to him for staying with it, I guess. He, he doesn't really have another choice, but all you can really say about it is we'll just see if things turn around for him. You know, it's one of those things that kind of exceeds just basic understanding. It's like, eh, it's just, you kind of just have to chalk it up to luck. I guess that you do. I mean, when I looked at the rate stats on fan graphs, and I went ahead and pulled them up again so that it wasn't anything that's happened in the last week that's going to skew these things like crazy. His walk percentage is just two points down below what it was last year, which was a career high. So this is the second best walk percentage of Freddie's career. So it's not like he's not taking his walks and swinging at everything. His K percentage is up slightly from his MVP year, but below every other season of his career. So if I'm looking at Freddie Freeman just in a vacuum and saying, okay, is there a trend here? With too much swing and miss and not enough working of counts or things of that nature, I can't find it. But then, as we talked about three weeks in a row on this show, and I hate it if this is something that people listen to and they're like, all right, I've heard the stat. I got it. I just I don't know what it means. What else can you really say about it? But Freddie Freeman, when it comes to batting average on balls in play, there's only five qualified hitters of about 140 in Major League Baseball that have a lower one of those. So 
again, as you look at these stats and you hear the comments of Freddie Freeman, who did talk about his dad going in and looking at the numbers himself and saying, hey, look, your line drives that are not falling, your bad luck this year, it's higher than anybody else's in the league. So now if Freddie wasn't aware of it before this, he's certainly aware of it now. And I thought it was really interesting to hear that kind of conversation that Freddie shared, that he sees the same things that everybody else is seeing. But what do you do to correct those, Gabe? Yeah, I mean, that, that's the bottom line. Uh, it's a weird deal. Honestly, it kind of just fits the 2021 Braves, doesn't mm-hmm. it? It does. It's uh, part and parcel. It's hard to explain. It's underwhelming, and it's disappointing. And, and that kind of, I guess, Freddie's year is just right in line with the entire team. It kind of is. And as you look at Freddie's struggles, that, of course, is compounded by the fact that there have been other Braves that have struggled this year. You lose Travis Darno, who even if he wasn't going to replicate what he did in his first year with the Braves in a 60-game season and come into a 162-game season and catch 125 or so ball games and still be able to put up that offense, even putting that aside, that was a big loss for the Braves. Then, of course, everything that happened with Marcelo Zuna getting injured and then finding himself in some real hot water off the field, these are things that even if you're writing the script for the Braves and, and regression was one of the main characters that you had in there, you just didn't expect it. And to take the many forms that it has, that's certainly been disappointing as well. On the plus side, you do have Ronald Acuna Jr. having an MVP-type season. You do have Austin Riley having a breakout year. We've seen a lot of good, especially over the past month or more, from Ozzie Albies. Dansby Swanson's finally seemed to be swinging a better bat over the past few weeks and into the month of June. Those are all positive signs, but I don't know if it's a big enough net positive to be able to outweigh not having the results show up for Freddie Freeman for whatever reason, and then, of course, losing bats like Darno and like Ozuna for completely different reasons. Yeah, it's a totally different team from a year ago. I think when I look at this team, too, I don't really know what its identity is. Sure. And sometimes that's kind of just a common talking point with some of these good teams, but like last year and even in recent years, this team could mash and it would it would rally late mm-hmm. and it had these characteristics. And I'm not really sure when you look at this team, I don't really know what this team is supposed to be, you know? Sure. Yeah. And Ronald and Ozzy can't do everything. No. Like, and that's part of it. That's been part of it with this team. But I don't know. It's, it's just weird. Like if someone was trying to get into baseball and, and said, what kind of team is this? Mm-hmm. It's not quite as easy to explain as it was in years past. And you still have Acuna and Ozzy as, as the dynamic speed threats. But you just look at the whole idea of this team, and it just feels off. And it doesn't feel like this team really knows what it is. And and certainly that's disappointing. You know, they didn't build this team so it could try to figure out what it is in June. Like, sure. They thought that this team knew exactly what it was and what it could do. And, and this and team what would they be needed, ready to yeah. roll. So. Yeah. Yeah, again, it's just a a crazy year for him. It has been. And I'm looking at the baseball reference splits one more time, even though it pains me to do so. Inning seven through nine for the Braves. They're hitting 212 with a sub 700 OPS. 22 of their, what, 90 home runs this year have come later on. Then I looked at the first inning. It was really kind of shocking to me how good this club is early. You know, it seems like they grab a run or two, and then that's kind of it. The lights go out for a while. Then maybe in the middle innings, they grab a couple of more runs. And then all of a sudden the script reads, get to late and close situation where the Braves stop hitting and the other team all of a sudden starts hitting at the expense of the Atlanta bullpen. And that has happened more than a few times this year. And I think for a variety of reasons, whether it's regression, underperformance, bad luck, uh, you know, picking the wrong matchup and going to the wrong pitcher, which, hey, look, managers are going to do that. It's going to happen. But again, Gabe, yeah, it's, it's bewildering when you look at some of the stats and think, 
where did this go and what changed from a team that was a win away from getting to the World Series last year to the team we've been watching for the first 60 or so games this year? It's been very strange. I did want to bring up one good note because I'm sure people are just feeling great thus far with all the vibes that we've had from this show, uh, <laughs> talking about this Braves club that has been, at the very least, very disappointing for the majority of Braves fans, really for all Braves fans. Let's go ahead and put it out that way. And, of course, to what their expectations were as a baseball club, Ronald Acuna Jr. stole another base in Friday's game in Miami, and that put him on a pace for 51 home runs and 34 stolen bases. A couple of interesting notes about those stats. 51 homers is the Braves franchise record set by Andrew Jones in 2005. Love to see Ronald break that record. Then you start looking at what 50 home runs in a season means. Only 27 guys have hit 50 home runs or more in a season. No player has ever hit 50 homers and stolen 30 or more bases in a single season. So, Gabe, for all of the talk about 40-40 and what that would mean, to be the first 50-30 guy would also be pretty cool, right? Yeah, hey, he's been by far the brightest spot on this team, uh, quite possibly the brightest spot in the league. Now you look at what DeGrom is doing, mm-hmm. and uh, he's certainly got competition in this MVP conversation, but he's right there. He's been the bright spot of this team, and you know if things continue trending the way they are, then we're going to have a September where fans are just – flipping to the Braves to see what Ronald does, and then they flip back to their SEC game because we got to have some other guys starting to step up and do things. But certainly uh, for Acuna, if he's able to set the home run, I mean, why that would be yeah. just, you know, if you were a young Braves fan like me then, I mean, for Andrew um, to see somebody uh, eclipse that mark, that, that would be something. Yeah, and we're talking about names in Braves franchise history that include Andrew Jones, Chipper Jones, Dale Murphy, Hank Aaron, Eddie Matthews. I mean, there are a lot of great Braves players, Braves legends that have put on the uniform. Plenty more on top of that. Freddie Freeman, if you want to throw him in there as well, this would be a unique accomplishment for Ronald Acuna Jr. and yet another one at the age of 23. And when you do start talking about you know top performers in the National League and guys that are getting MVP consideration, I know there's a lot of talk about Fernando Tatis, and justifiably so. He has missed a little bit of time this year, but he's having an awesome season. And Jacob DeGrom is just doing DeGrom-type things, which is, I don't know, he takes it to another level every single year, which seems like it's mind-boggling to see what he's doing. But anyway, Ronald Acuna Jr., more than holding court among those three and with anybody else as far as top season in the National League. So I did want to point that out, throwing a silver lining somewhere in the midst of all of this. And let's go with another silver lining. I want to go back-to-back on these. Tucker Davidson has been a big boost to the Atlanta rotation He's made three starts and shown why he was climbing in the prospect rankings heading into 2020 when minor league baseball season was wiped out. But Tucker this year so far, 153 ERA, just 10 hits allowed, three runs total, seven walks, 14 punch outs, only one home run for him. Opponents hitting a buck 64 against him uh, with a sub 500 OPS. And I know, Gabe, we've talked a lot in the last year about plugging holes in the Atlanta rotation. And with Mike Soroka gone again this year until further notice, and with Drew Smiley underperforming, where do you think Tucker Davidson fits into this equation? Well, he has to keep pitching until he uh, falls apart, I guess. <laughs> and he might not at all. So you got to leave him in there and let him keep going because he's been great for you. Three starts, you know, I mean, that's small sample size. But, I mean, in two of them, he was lights out, really. I mean, he had the walks in the national start. Mm-hmm. He turned that around. I think he only walked one guy in his last outing. So. Oh, you got to keep rolling with him. It's just like with Anoa, when no one really factored in Anoa into this thing, and he started pitching well, and you just let him ride, right? So that's what they're going to have to do with Davidson. 
you know, Bryce Wilson will factor into this too at some point. Just realistically, the rotation's not going to stay healthy the rest of the year. I mean, somebody is going to get hurt. They can't really afford for that somebody to be Anderson or Freed right now. Correct. Uh, that would obviously be a ding to them if something like that happened. But you have to just let Davidson ride. I mean, you need the help. The reality is your two veterans you signed have just underwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, there has been some really good moments with Charlie Morton, and you can see the stuff. And so he, he's kind of been a weird case, but Smiley certainly um, has just been underwhelming all around. So yeah. maybe Tucker can step up and, and maybe, you know, you'll be feeling good. You know, however this year plays out, you, you go to next year and you're feeling good because you have guys like Wilson and Tucker who have stepped up and established themselves more and you can feel good about that depth and spend whatever resources you have somewhere else. Yeah, and let me throw this out there too because I feel that much like Ian Anderson who given debuted under very different circumstances in 2020, it was pretty much necessity that brought Ian Anderson to the big leagues when he did. I agree with you. you got to ride the hot hand or the hot arm with what you're getting and what you need every fifth day. Tucker Davidson has been able to check that box each time he's gone out there and particularly when you're without one top starter in Soroka and another starter that you signed that we talk about every single week in Drew Smiley who, to use your term and a term anybody else, if you're just being polite, will put on it. Drew Smiley has underperformed this year, and I think as you go forward and start trying to figure out what buttons do we need to push or levers do we need to pull that are going to get the Braves going, I think you got to look at each and every opportunity you have to get better at any given position, especially when you're talking about internal options. Tucker Davidson, Bryce Wilson, both have shown a lot this year in the opportunities that they've gotten. How much will they factor in moving forward? And how long can you afford to continue to run Drew Smiley out there if the results don't change? Charlie Morton, I I agree with you. I I think there's a track record that's there. I think the stuff is there. For whatever reason, he keeps running into weird, wonky innings where everything just seems to go sideways for him. I don't expect that to continue. It has kind of reared its ugly head quite a few times this year, though. But if you're looking to make a change inside your rotation to improve it, with what you've already got in-house, though, I think you're kind of reaching that point, aren't you, when you get into the middle to late portion of June and into July, certainly, where you got to run with your best guys. You can't afford to just see what you got just because you put money in there in the winter. Yeah, certainly by next month. It's something that you and I have kind of hinted about on here before when, we, when we've talked about this, but it was always kind of too far out for us to really get into it. Right. Now we're starting to get to the point that it becomes a conversation. Especially by next month. If, if you continue to have Smiley going at, at the rate you're going, I do think, especially considering that maybe he would be better in a bullpen role, you could certainly argue that. And you'd also benefit from just giving these younger guys reps anyway, mm-hmm. um, letting Davidson and Wilson do it. And, you know, first of all, for the immediate benefit, uh, both of them have been better than him. Correct. Uh, for one. And two, for the long-term benefit of just seeing what you're going to have in the future and if these are guys who can kind of fill the back of your rotation next year and you don't have to go out and and you can use your resources somewhere else and they're going to have plenty of other needs this offseason and they've got got you know freddie freeman obviously is a free agent they're gonna to have to figure that out travis darno yep. is a free agent we'll see what happens there shane green you know, chris martin so they're going to have plenty of other things they need to address besides the rotation so so for the immediate and long-term outlook of this franchise i do think it would behoove them to continue to roll with Tucker and, and get more opportunities for Bryce Wilson. Now, can Smiley maybe stabilize things a little bit and justify staying in the rotation? Sure. But again, that's just projecting where there's no reason to because he hasn't really given us a reason to think that's going to happen. His career hasn't really given us a reason to think that's going to happen. No. So this is a conversation that uh, is worth having. 
Well, as I look at this, too, I mean, the numbers that we use for Freddie Freeman to talk about luck or the lack thereof for him this year, you look at the results for Drew Smiley, and it's just not that simple. I mean, you can't just chalk this up to bad luck or anything of that nature. His ERA is approaching six at 582 through 10 starts. He's averaging about five innings per start. But when you look at his fielding independent pitching, it's up close to six and a half. It's more than three times what it was last year when he really underperformed his FIP in his year for the Giants. So all those numbers and different trends and analytics that you want to look at that said, hey, Smiley in a small sample size looked pretty great. Let's bring him in here and see if we can get more out of him, which was the big talking point for Alex Anthopoulos and company. It simply hasn't played out the way that they wanted it to. He's extremely homer prone, is Smiley, after allowing two last year. He's allowed 15 in his 10 starts this year. That's simply not going to work. And also alarming, Gabe, is the fact that his strikeouts per nine are down nearly 50% over what they were last year. It was an unsustainable 14.4, but he's at 7.5 in the year 2021. He simply hasn't been the same pitcher at all, and at this point, through 10 starts and the better part of you know three months of the season, I think he's kind of shown you what it is right now, and I'd be happy to be wrong about this, but I don't know if the Braves can afford to sit there and be proven completely wrong and not explore the other options that we mentioned with Tucker Davidson, Bryce Wilson or whoever else it may be that could come up. Waskari Noah when he comes back. These are the kind of arms that I think you have to be looking at at this point to try to turn your season around in little incremental ways because you don't turn a battleship on a dime. You're going to have to turn it slowly. And for the Braves right now, while they may have felt like kind of the pride of the fleet in the National League East, they've been heading in the wrong direction for a while. So to turn this thing around, it's going to take some effort and it's going to take a little bit of time as well to get them going in the direction they need to. Thankfully, if you want to call it that, they haven't buried themselves in the standing, but they have done themselves no favors whatsoever. Yeah, they, they don't need to be afraid to make any changes here because what, what they've been doing hasn't worked. So if that's it, if they want to do that later this month, if they want to do it around the trade deadline and just, mm-hmm. you know, if they don't acquire another starter, that's just the decision they make. I mean, whenever it is, you don't want to do it too late. But they just they don't need to be afraid to change things up because, again, there's some of these struggles are just hard to explain. And and the way to react to that is maybe doing something like that. Make small changes to to see what you can improve on. And the rotation obviously can be improved. You know, would they go out and trade for another starter? I I'm certainly not against it, but I also don't think it's totally necessary because they might be able to make, if you make a move now and you just see how Wilson pitches Mm -hmm. and you just see what you've got there, then maybe you're able to pursue something else on the trade market. And, you know, again, we're talking about where you're allocating your resources. You can, you know, pursue another bat, you can pursue another bullpen arm, whatever it is you need to do. So uh, it might actually be smart to be proactive here and, and make that change sooner. But I, to be honest, I don't expect them to soon. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the definition of soon is. I mean, for me, I'd be sitting down right now trying to figure out what's going to happen for the last couple of weeks in the month of June so that you can figure out where you are come July, what needs to happen, because there's a couple of different checkpoints. Of course, you get to the All-Star break. Everybody will have a few days to kind of relax and rest for the most part. The majority of your team will save the couple of guys that will go play in the All-Star game, you hope. But then when you come back, there's about a two-week stretch there that the Braves are going to have to – the rubber is going to have to meet the road for them. They're going to have to be in a position where they can add and need to add, and, of course, they want to be adding at that time. But we just don't know what it's going to look like a month from now, to make a long story short. But uh, when it came to making a proactive move, even though it's one that might have been reactive, depending on how you look at it, but let's not get lost in semantics, the bullpen got Shane Green back in the mix this week. And 
even though I think that he could probably use a few outings here to kind of get his legs back under him at the big league level, it's a step in the right direction. But the bullpen, unfortunately, Gabe, as we saw this week, continues to have those nights. And Will Smith has been the lightning rod for much of that this year. And I'll sum it up this way, and it's going to sound funny, but just humor me with this. He's great, except on the nights that he's not. And what I mean by that is that he's had a few too many of those not-so-great nights, and he's going to play a big role on this team. There's just no two ways about that. But when we go back to our earlier discussion about the things that are missing for this team, feeling more confident turning those leads that the Braves had routinely been getting the last three years into wins in the late innings has also been missing in action for this club from day one. And, you know, uh, something that a lot of people wanted to see was why can't Martin close games? Yeah. Well, we saw that. And uh, it didn't work in that, in that one game. I mean, we, we saw it with Smith unavailable. And, you know, Martin faced three Phillies hitters and Dick they scored three out. times. Yeah, and that was the end of it. So that's not to say that he or Green shouldn't be used some in, in that role. I would endorse something like that. But uh, there's no way around it. I, I think that Smith, you know – when you look at what they paid him, that's money that's already been spent, but certainly uh, it feels like they overspent there, and you could have gotten someone for this level of production, obviously cheaper. Uh, I don't think he's as bad as some people might indicate he is, but mm-hmm. certainly they overspent for what they've received so far. Are you going to look at making some changes here and just use different guys? I mean, I think that would be the smart move, but – you just said it like there have been some nights where Smith is just awesome. Like look at the Dodgers, right? Right. And he just comes out. So it's another tough thing to explain. There's just sometimes he has it and sometimes he doesn't. And I don't really know how you work with that. No, I, I don't know what the answer to it is to fix it. It just, it seems like, you know, the luck factor, if nothing else, has just not been on the brave side as a given, regardless of how you want to apply the term. But you also can't use it to excuse everything that goes wrong for this club. It hasn't always been bad luck. Sometimes the other team's just simply better. They are going to win some games. That's just going to be the way it is. You're going to lose some games that you should have won. You're also going to win some games, you hope, that you weren't supposed to win. Though that supply for the Braves has seemed to be much lower than it's been the past few years. I don't know if it got lost in the mail or if they canceled their subscription or whatever it may be, but something hasn't been working out there. Looking at Will Smith from 30,000 feet, the all-star reliever that he was in 2019 for the San Francisco Giants. He had a 276 ERA. His fielding independent pitching was 323. This year, his fielding independent pitching is 323. His ERA is 474, two full runs higher than it was. He's normalized his home runs, which were a big problem in limited showings in 2020. But still, it's been problematic for him. And he's been thrust into some of those games for the Braves and extra innings always seem to end in complete and total disappointment. He's just been at the forefront, I think, as the figurehead, the closer, after you had a bullpen that was so good in 2020 and really the second half of 2019 as well, now he's the one that was left, and he just hasn't been the lights-out dominating reliever that the Braves signed him to be. So I think to go back to your point about underperforming or paying too much for a reliever, and maybe there's an argument to be made that you never spend big money on a reliever. I know a lot of people believe that, and... I can certainly be convinced in a lot of cases not to sink a whole bunch of money in a closer. This has been money that the Braves have invested that as of right now, they haven't got much of an ROI on it. No, and I know a lot of people kind of referenced it and mentioned it like Alex wasn't giving out many multi-year deals, and that's where he decided to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of burned them a little bit. It it just hasn't been what they thought they were getting with this guy. I mean, they thought they were – 
at the time, they didn't plan on using him as a closer. They planned on deploying him in tight situations, and he would be a good guy to have. And that was, in theory, that would, would have made him a really, really valuable player. Last year was not all his fault, the COVID thing. Sure. I mean, it just disrupted his year. So, I mean, I'm not going to totally criticize him for that. This year, it's just been off and on. So, yeah, you're right. The all-star season, we're distant from that now. That's not who he's been in Atlanta, and it's probably not who anyone should expect him to be anymore. Uh, it's just the reality of it. So the Braves just have to figure out a way to get the most out of him consistently. Again, we keep going back to this. Like They just need their higher-paid guys. They need their best players to perform the way they're supposed to. You know, he should have closed that game the other night, mm-hmm. the Phillies game. You know, he's an out away. You just have to finish that game. Like, I, whatever excuse you have, you you just have to finish that game. He issued the walk, the ill-placed pitch. He gives up the homer, Luke Williams, who, by the way, is actually a really great story. So Absolutely. to Luke yeah. Williams. Mm-hmm. But this stuff, like, you just need your best player. We talk about how much talent this team has. It doesn't mean anything if those guys are not performing up to what no doubt. they can perform to. No doubt. And they seem to be having that issue across the board in a lot of different situations. And even when you're talking about, hey, look, Freddie Freeman's not having a good year. Why is Freddie Freeman not having a good year? Well, yeah, we could spend 30 minutes talking about our theories on why it is. And at the end of it, everybody can say, well, I don't really care why he's having such a bad year or a down year or things aren't falling for him. I just want it to change. I just want it to to normalize. And I'm sure he does, too. But keeping it honed in on Will Smith here as we wrap up, you know, I think it was only magnified by the fact that A lot of folks, I think, in the revisionist history feel a lot of things toward Mark Melanson beyond just what he did last year, which he was pretty steady, but not necessarily spectacular as the Braves' closer last year, but it was pretty consistent. He had a couple of games here or there that got away from him. That happens to every closer every year. But when he went out to San Diego and has put up the numbers that he's put up this season, which has been terrific for Melanson, you lost consistency in your bullpen. And that, I think, with Shane Green coming back, albeit late, and then regression or just some bad runs for A.J. Minter and Tyler Matzak and not having a whole lot of answers beyond them, this has just not been a bullpen group that inspires a lot of confidence. And it's not solely because, hey, there's no talent out there. It's just, look, they're not performing the way that they need to, and it's certainly not meeting the performance of the 2020 bullpen thus far. And now we're kind of at that sample size where we played – 60 games last year and about 60 games this year. So, you know, how different has the bullpen been? It's been very different. But, Gabe, as you and I both know and every fan listening out there knows, there's 100 more ball games to play. So this bullpen, if you think it's already been tested thus far, it's going to continue to be tested on a nightly basis going forward. If the Braves want to turn this season around, things are going to have to change out there. Lots of highs and lows, Mm -hmm. and that's not what they need. They need to find middle ground with this bullpen. You can't – like the Dodgers series, those guys are lights out those last two games. Yeah. The Phillies series, that it didn't happen. And then even that first Dodgers game, that was just a disaster with Newcomb issuing the walks mm-hmm. and Dayton. And it's just too hot and cold. They really need this group to just kind of stabilize a little bit. The answer there is not trading for somebody. The answer there is just – getting your guys to do what you know they can do. Because we've seen Matzek, we've seen Mentor, the three veteran guys. We know what they can do. It's just a collective group effort. And then maybe, you know, you're going to need some other guys to step up. And and maybe you do go off from the outside and add another reliever to the mix. But you just – you have to have your core guys perform like they can. And right now it's just – 
it's another thing that matches the team. It's like we keep talking about guys going high and low, and that's how you end up with the record that the team has. Exactly. This, this bullpen, I mean, one night they're firing off zeros. The next night it is just a total disaster, and they can't find the strike zone. They need to find some consistency, and we can sit here every week and say it, but it just continues. What This is how you end up at 81 and 81, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll just see if they can just find a way to just to find, find middle ground here. Yeah, well, I think they've been sitting in middle ground for quite some time. They need to find the high ground, which, as we learned in Episode 3 of Star Wars, is where you want to be. Of course, there were quite a few episodes that came after that, so I'm going to leave that one there and move on to what's coming up for the Atlanta Braves so that this doesn't feel like a really bad prequel or sequel or whatever you want to call it. But either way, it's a weekend series down in Miami. They've already dropped the first two games there, so trying to get out of town without getting swept. Then you got the off day Monday, two games against the Boston Red Sox. We know that's going to be tough. And then four games against the St. Louis Cardinals heading into next weekend. So, Gabe, as the Braves open up this stretch of games, which includes some interdivisional play to start out with, and then a tough interleague matchup, and then a matchup that always seems to be tough for the Braves, no matter what the circumstances, with four games against the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, what do you expect out of this week? Or can we simply just chalk this up as another roller coaster ride that we just, we know it's going to be eventful. We just don't know if it's going to be the events we would prefer to see. And if you're a Braves fan out there, there's been a lot of that going around. Yeah, uh, history says we know how this week is probably going to play out. Uh, It's going to be an important week. You come home, you have, I believe, a six-game homestand, two with Boston, four with St. Louis. Boston's obviously very good. You just saw them at Fenway Park. The Cardinals series, you know, the Cardinals have scuffled a little bit here. Um, They've lost Flaherty. They're in what has kind of become a, like, really competitive NL Central mm-hmm. with the Cubs and Brewers being who they are. And the Cardinals, if you're a Braves fan looking at the wild card race, obviously the teams out West really complicate that. But if you think that maybe San Francisco will regress, I don't really believe that at this point, but there's plenty of time for them to do so. If you think that maybe that second wild card spot is going to be up for grabs, then the Cardinals are one of the teams that the Braves are kind of going to be in the mix with for that. Definitely. Right. So, uh, that could be a really big series. The weird thing is it doesn't really matter who this team plays. It's the same story. Mm-hmm. that They beat the Dodgers, and that was a series that, to be honest, I was wondering if they were going to get swept. I was like, I don't even, especially after the first game, I'm like, I'm not sure I even see a win here, and they wound up taking two out of three. Yeah. Uh, they play the Phillies. Now, they have not played well at Citizens Bank Park recently. So mm-hmm. there's that. And now the Marlins. It's really weird. So it's going to be tough, but this team – you just never really know. It feels like it doesn't matter who they play because the same storylines kind of take over. So we'll see if maybe they can split with Boston and, and see what happens with St. Louis because, again, St. Louis has not been playing great lately. And, and maybe this is a little opportunity for the Braves to get going at home a little bit, have some success against a team that's another you know playoff caliber team. They just did it against the Dodgers, but maybe they can get – a little something going here, but we're saying it every time, and, and here we are. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it because I at least know that it won't be boring. Well, I don't know if it's been boring. It's been eventful, but not the kind of eventful the Braves and their fans have wanted to see on a fairly routine basis. But, again, it's another big week for the Braves in terms of the opponents they're going to be facing and a big opportunity to try to get their season turned around Heading in the right direction, how do you do that? You start winning series. The Braves need to simply concentrate on winning as many of those as they can and then kind of seeing where they're trending there and what kind of changes and things they can do internally as they look for the potential of adding some external pieces as we head into the next month. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. I think we covered a lot of ground this week. A lot of it is just not what you want to be discussing at this time, but this Braves team 
it's been challenged week in and week out as we've sat down on the show. But Gabe, I appreciate your time as always and look forward to catching up with you next week. Absolutely. My thanks as always to Gabe Burns for making some time to join the show. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Gabe Burns AJC and check out his coverage of the Braves in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. As always, let me remind you that you can find From the Diamond on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, just about anywhere you find your podcast, You can subscribe, and you can find me on Twitter at Grant McCauley, G-R-A-N-T-M-C-A-U-L-E-Y, the show at From the Diamond underscore, on Instagram at Grant McCauley, and at From the Diamond with no underscores where you find the show. And if you're looking for a great place to keep up with every episode of the show, the videos and the articles and anything else I got for you covering the Braves, go to fromthediamond.com to check all of that out. So another week down as we move through the month of June, the Atlanta Braves still trying to get themselves heading in the right direction. We'll see how they do over the next seven days. We'll be right back here on From the Diamond to talk about it with you next week. So my thanks again to Gabe Burns for jumping on the show, and my thanks again to you for making From the Diamond part of your baseball podcast regimen. We'll catch you next time on the show. Until then, I'm Grant McCauley. So long, everyone.